great just being able to experience the presence of God. I mean, I could just sense his presence here with us today. And I, I just, I, it is, it's such a great thing to be able to do together. Well, my name is Pastor Todd, along with my wife, Jan. We are the lead pastors here at Eastside City Church. And we are just so grateful that you are here today. And I, and I want to say this before I jump into what I feel like God put in my heart to share with you, that uh, I just want to say thank you to all of the blessings that you guys have given to me. As yes, a couple days ago, I turned 50 years old. I cannot believe that I'm 50 years old, that I'm getting closer to uh, being an evergreen here in this church, as well as getting my senior discount. I don't feel much older, uh, but something tells me that things might be just changing a little, a little bit here. So thank you, thank you, thank you. I just want to say you guys are a great blessing. And could you give uh, my mom a warm welcome? She's here to join us this service here today. Uh, I, I don't get this privilege very often, but uh, so I'm going to have to mind my P's and Q's when I'm sharing today uh, some of my stories. I might have to adjust here just a little bit. Um, but wasn't it great having Pastor Israel Campbell here last Sunday? Did you enjoy that, his ministry? All the way from Los Angeles, what was hilarious in, in talking to him, the whole time he was here, he kept saying how cold it was. And it was like plus 10. I'm like, this is not cold. We're, we were like going to go outside in t-shirts and stuff. And he's like, oh, it is freezing here. I said, Pastor Israel, we'll bring you back a little later in the year and you can experience what real Calgary weather is all about. Well, I want to ask you this. Did you bring your expectation today that God has something that he wants to speak to you, that you are believing that he's going to share things with you? Do you believe that God wants more for your life, for your family? Well, you are in a great place here today. And I, I want to say this, that when it comes to this time of year, I, I, I know I'm going to say this, and you're going to probably look at me just a little bit funny, but I, I actually really like snow days. Now, not, not snow work days, but snow days when you can just stay home and, and kind of bundle up in your house. You can have your tea or your coffee or your hot cider or your hot chocolate, whatever it is. is aren't those days just the best? And you, the, the snow's falling out. You're just kind of like, do your worst out there. I'm just staying home. I'm not doing anything. We, we, we love those days. We like to kind of settle in and hunker down. Well, today as I begin my message today, we're going to talk about the fact that when it comes to our lives, that, that, that settling for snow days is awesome. But who here knows that there's work days? And regardless of and school days and regardless of what's going on, you still have to get out of your house and move to where you need to go. And we're, it's, we're in the middle of a series called Power Move here today. I'm going to talk to you today about how God does not call you to, call you to settle but he's called to move you forward in your life. Can I hear an amen for that? So I'm going to pray, and I'm going to read the word of God. Father, I thank you so much, Lord, for your Holy Spirit that is here with us today. And Lord, I pray that you would open our hearts to receive, our ears to hear, our eyes to see, God, everything that you have for us. Lord, that we would not just be hearers of the word, but we would be doers of your word as well. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said... Well, I'm going to start off today by reading to you out of Genesis chapter 11. If you have your Bibles with you here today or you've got your Bible app, if you want to open Genesis chapter 11, if you don't have any of those things, you can follow along with me behind 
the screen. And here is where we're going to start off today in the book of Genesis. It says, at one time, all the people of the world spoke the same language and used the same words. As the people migrated to the east, they found a plain in the land of Babylonia and settled there. Say, settled there. They began to say to each other, let's make bricks and harden them with fire. In this region, bricks were used instead of stone, instead of stone and tar was used for mortar. And they said, come, let's build a great city for ourselves with a tower that reaches into the sky. This will make us famous and keep us from being scattered all over the world. But the Lord came down to look at the city and the tower the people were building and said, look, he said, the people are united and they all speak the same language. After this, nothing they set out to do will be impossible for them. Let's go down and confuse the people with different languages and they won't be able to understand each other. In that way, the Lord scattered them all over the world and they stopped building the city. That's why the city was called Babel because that is where the Lord confused the people with different languages and this way he scattered them all over the world. I want to give you a little bit of historical understanding about the city of Babel. It originally actually was called the city of Shinar. And it was built by a man, if you can believe this, this was his name in the Bible, by the name of Nimrod. Now that is a very interesting name. Now Nimrod, if we look at who he was in, the, in, in this time, in this ancient world, the Bible says that he was known, if you look back in Genesis chapter 10, to be a mighty warrior, a mighty hunter. In fact, he was renowned all over the known world at that time because of his skillfulness and his ability. In fact, he probably would have been considered the most popular person on the planet at that time. Uh, I say this, guys wanted to be him, girls wanted to be with him. That's kind of who he was. He was the man. And so he had this incredible vision of wanting to create this city out on the plain of Babylonia called Shinar. And, and, and so he drew people together. He, he, he brought them all together into this place to build this city. Now, when I was growing up, and, and I haven't heard this for a while, but when I was growing up, if you called somebody a Nimrod, it was not a term of endearment. It was not a, a, a word that you would use to flatter your friends. Basically, what you were saying is you are a complete moron or idiot. If you are a Nimrod, you're being a Nimrod. Don't be a Nimrod. Quit acting like a Nimrod. I don't want my friends to be a Nimrod. And so as I was thinking about this, I was kind of like, what in the world happened that would cause uh, historically society to turn against this man Nimrod, who when we look at him in the Bible was considered this great warrior, this great man who built this incredible city. In fact, not only did he build the town of Babylon, which became Babel and Shinar. He built Nineveh, and there's a bunch of other great cities in that town that he was responsible for building, but yet he is considered an idiot today. Why did that happen? Well, let's look at what it says in Genesis chapter 11 again, and it says this, that he built this city on the plains of Babylon, or on Shinar, or on the plains of Babylonia, sorry, 
and settled there. I use the word settled. Why do we talk about settling? Because God's design and his desire in our life is that we would not be people who settle. And it says that he, they said, let's build a great city for ourselves and make us famous so that, we, that will keep us from being scattered all over the world. We can tell by what the Bible says here that Nimrod was kind of full of himself. <laughs> Not only did people think he was popular, he thought he was popular. And he had this desire and this design to kind of make a name for himself. He wanted people to know how awesome he was, how great that he was. And can I say this, that whenever we try to promote ourselves or ever we try to do things for our own, uh, um, our own benefit, it always ends up in a bad situation. It's, it no, no, it's not something that normally is part of what God wants to do. In fact, you can be a godly person and get off on ungodly things. And here's what I mean by that. When I first was a youth leader in our church, I remember that I had this great vision of what I wanted to do in my life. Here was my vision, that within the first six months of becoming youth pastor, I was going to go into Crescent Heights High School, and the whole school was going to turn to Jesus. Now, that sounds really noble, and if it would have happened that way, it would have been a great thing. People would have been saved. But my motivation was not because of the people I wanted to get saved. I wanted to be the person that were like, look at he did. Man, that's going to be awesome. He's going to be cool. I was young. I was a little bit dumb. I was full of myself. And I had this dream that I would one day be speaking into big stadiums of people, and I would be famous. And people would be like, you know that guy? You know Pastor Todd? Wow. He's a cool guy. And you know what? It didn't quite work out that way. In fact, God did a lot of things that humbled me. Uh, in fact, I remember those first couple years of being in the high school, not one person became a believer because God wanted me to pray and seek him and do what he wanted me to do. You see, when we get self-motivated, it restricts our freedom and can keep us from moving in to what God has for us. You see, the word shinar actually means two rivers or two different flows. And here's what I felt like the Lord was speaking to me about as I was studying this text. He said, you know, that, that there's two streams of revelation that we can tap into at any time. We can tap into what God's plan, what God's vision is for our lives, that God has a stream of revelation to show us what he has called us to do and what he wants us to do. Or we can tap into man's revelation, settling, places of comfort, doing what makes me feel good, what makes me look great. And the question always is, is who or what is going to guide our lives? Do we trust God or do we trust ourselves? And what I love to, when I look at the word of God and I read this in Isaiah 55 verse 89, it says this, God's ways are not our ways. Who here has discovered that in your life? That the way that God does things isn't necessarily the way that you would probably do things yourself. Uh, he kind of has a different way of seeing things. Well, why is it? Well, we're finite. We, we're just human beings and we live in a, the box that he lets us live in. He's infinite. God is sees the beginning from the end. He knows what our, our whole story is going to be. And when we're in difficulties and troubles, he, he knows where he's taking us. But we many times only can see where we're at in that moment. He knows the whys where we're trying to grasp for wisdom. Why, God, are you doing this? 
And the Bible says here that they settled on the plain of Babylonia. Now, I, I talked about the snow days. Well, how about even as a kid? I remember it's funny that my mom is sitting here. I was one of those people that I didn't like getting up in the morning. Anybody else say, hey, that's me. I'm not a morning person. Those of you that are morning people, I salute you. You're awesome. You're amazing. But, but I, I don't know what it is. I mean, I remember being a teenager, and it was like, you, you never want to go to bed. You never want to go there. But, man, when it comes time for the morning, it's like you never want to get up. And so I remember I did not want to get up. I don't know what it is. It's somehow that at like six or seven, that, that bed is just that much more comfortable. It's warmer. Those comforters are amazing. You can sleep for extra hours. But there was a problem. My mom had things she needed to do. We needed to go to school. She needed to go to work. And so in order for me to understand that I needed to get moving, the, the things started happening. The lights would get turned on. The comforter would get pulled off of the bed. The, the, the things began to get very uncomfortable. Why? Because it was time for me to move. And here's what happened here. The problem with Nimrod and the people on the earth at that time is that they'd forgotten something or they were actually ignoring what God had already told them because in Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, God said, be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. That was the command that he'd given. You see, they were told to take dominion over the whole earth, and yet they had, in their travels and in their journey, we don't know what was going on in their lives. They probably got tired of settling land. I, I don't know what it's like to be a settler. I only know what it's like to pull the weeds out of my flower beds. But I can tell you it's a lot of work and you get tired of that. And so they, they were like, we don't want to do this anymore. Let's make this great city. We like it here. It's comfortable. And we can become famous. You see, what was happening was in direct violation to what God had commanded them to do. They were not to be settlers, but they were to be people who had moved forward into new places and territories. And isn't that the challenge for each one of us today? Not to settle, but to keep moving forward in our lives. That God doesn't want us to stay where we're at today, but he wants us to move forward into new things, into greater things that he has for us, that he has greater plans. But isn't it our nature many times that we sometimes get really comfortable and we're just like, you know what, I kind of like where I'm at right now. I just, I, I wanted to stay here just, just, a, just a little bit longer. You know, there's a lot of camps that we can settle in on our journey. And a lot of these camps aren't good places to be. We can settle for okay instead of for great. Well, you know what, my, my, my marriage, it's, it's, it's okay. I mean, we're not, we're not really arguing a lot we're not really but it, it, it's it's okay it's kind of it's safe I kind of like where it is right now I don't want to I don't want to take any more risk you know my wife and I we're actually we we talk once a week it's kind of nice it's good we can just be okay in our in our in our jobs and we're, we're like you know what I, I I don't really like my job but I don't really want to you know it's I, it kind of pays the bills most of the time and so we settle for okay. Maybe we had a dream in our heart or we had something that God spoke to us about when we were younger and we're just like, you know what, that was so long, I, I, I'm just, it's okay. 
And I'm here to tell you God wants more for you than okay. That he has something better for you than okay. There's commercial on this in the States where it says when okay is not okay. And one of my favorite commercials, they have this doctor that comes in. And this patient sitting in the bed, he goes, oh, hey, how's it going today? Well, we're going to get that appendix out, you know, sometime here today. He says, ah, oh, by the way, you know, um, I've just started working on people here, and I'm, I'm okay at what I do. Now, if you had a doctor tell you they were just okay, would that be who you wanted operating on you? You see, we, we, we don't want just okay. We want the best. And God, I want to say this, wants the best for your life. How about this? We settle on fear instead of moving forward in faith. Oh, this happened to me. What, 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 if, I, what if, I, if I try that new thing? If I, if I go and, and, and apply for that job, what if they reject me? What if, what, if, what if I do this and it all doesn't work? And we can live in fear, and yet God is calling us to walk in faith. Don't settle on fear. We can camp on, here's a good one, hurts instead of walking toward healing. Oh, that relationship is, uh, I don't know, God, it's too much. They, they weren't really nice to me. They, they, they didn't treat me the right way, and so we get hung up on things, and we live in a place of hurt, or maybe we're, we're disappointed, and we don't want to be disappointed again. And so God say, no, I want you to walk in faith towards your healing. We accept the mundane and avoid the mission, the adventure, the great things. I'm here to tell you that God has a great adventure for your life. We live in a continual state of surviving instead of in the promised land of thriving. And I'm here to tell you today, God doesn't want you just to survive in your life. And I'm not just talking about the economy because the economy can begin to define us. He wants to call each and every one of us to thrive wherever we're at in spite of circumstances because it is a heart thing. It's not a circumstance thing. I'll say this. We were never meant to settle for anything but to keep pushing for God's best in our lives. And if you're feeling comfortable today in your life, it's probably time to move. It's probably time to move. I want to say this, that not only did they settle in the plain of Babylonia, but they decided to build a tower that would reach towards the heavens. They wanted to build a monument to themselves to show how magnificent they were. Oh, they're so awesome. Look at us. We built this tower. I've seen the excavations of where they feel like the original Babylonia was. And this tower that they were talking about, you would think, man, this is probably going to be hundreds of feet high. It's like 30 feet, maybe. But for them, that was like, whoa, this achievement. And what's interesting is that we'll talk about in a minute is it was even achievement an achievement in the eyes of God, and we'll, we'll get to that. But I want to say this. When it comes to our lives and as people, we love to build monuments to things. We have the Eiffel Tower in Paris. Whoever's visited the Eiffel Tower, you've been there, you've climbed it, you've seen it. I mean, this is almost a couple hundred years old. It's an amazing uh, thing of, of, of the ingenuity of man that, that celebrates the achievements of man. We have the Empire State Building in New York that it was at one time the largest building in the world. We have the Calgary Tower here in our city. 
that was built because we are Calgary. I was thinking when I, about my kids or even when I was a kid and, and, and Legos and, you know, you, you kids, most kids love Legos. Am I right? I mean, Legos are still cool. I find that. I just was with Israel. We went shopping for his son. He's nine years old. He's like, I'm going to get him some Lego. I'm like, wow, I had Lego when I was a kid. And, and I remember my kids, you'd come home and they would be like, Daddy, look at what I built. And you look at it and you're like, what, what did you build? But you can say that. It was like, man, that's amazing. And then if your kids are like my kids, they're like, don't touch it. Don't tear it apart. It's a monument of something. It was ingenuity, creativity. We love it. But we love to build monuments. But it's important to remember, I think monuments are good if they help us to remember events or people, or more importantly, to remember something significant that God has done. But if we're not careful, those monuments can be idols that keep us from moving forward. You see, we tend to build monuments when God wants to build a movement. A movement of change and transformation in people's lives. A movement where his presence is evidenced daily, where people can see us, they can look, they, they're kind of like, there's something different about you. I want a, something that's moving inside of you. A movement that causes us to rely on him. And you see, that's one of the most important things of why we don't want to build monuments, we want to build movements, because movements cause us to continually depend on God for our direction and our strength. Remember the children of Israel, when they were in the desert, they were guided by a pillar of fire at night and a tower of smoke by day. When it moved, they moved. And here's what I want us to understand, though. We, we, we also, when it comes to movement, see, God wants to continue to have us move, that movements in the past, if we're not careful, can become monuments today. Well, what are you talking about? What, what, what am I saying here today? Well, you know, we can be people that hold on to the past. Well, you remember when worship was great? I, I mean, I remember back in the day, that they, they don't sing songs like this anymore. You know, like, with the deer panteth for the water. I mean, those were songs that were anointed. And we hold on to those moments in time and it can become a monument where we're like that's where God moves and we can be like that's what we need for God to do it exactly like that again and we don't realize that God is constantly moving forward and moving us into new places and he's bringing new uh, ref revelation of who he is And I'm not, I know I might be stepping on some toes here today, and I'm not here to try to offend anybody, but I'm just saying this, that those are good songs still. I'm not saying that they're not good songs, because we tend to, wherever God touched our life, those moments tend to be significant in our lives. So whatever the worship was at that time, whatever the, the thing that was going on in the church, and we forget the times that were a little bit difficult, but if we're not careful, we can be like, you remember the good old days. And God's saying, no, I've got better days for you. 
I've got new days that I want to bring you into. I want to lead you into something where you, you're like, this is, well, God, where are you taking us? I, I don't know. You don't know. He knows. And we're like, God, I trust you. I just want to go wherever you are. I want to follow your presence. God is always moving, changing how we're experiencing him. But we see this, that because they were unwilling to move, they had built their tower to God in the sky. They had built their city in the plain of Babylonia. God did something supernatural. He confuses their language. You see, before that, the whole earth spoke the same language. They understood each other. They were able to communicate. And because of that, God said, look, at, if, if we don't change something here, and he's talking to the Godhead, he says, if we don't change something here, whatever they put their mind to do, it will not be impossible for them. So he confused their language. And he made life a little bit uncomfortable for them. He changed what they had known. He made it uncomfortable so that they would get on with his plan because his plan was what? To be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. And he's like, this is what my plan is, so I'm going to help you do that. So he caused them to face discomfort in their life. Have you ever noticed that discomfort has a way of making us move at times? You see, discomfort is not to hurt you, but to help you move. And can I get really real here for a minute? I know I already stepped on your toes with as the deer panteth for the water, but I got more stuff. You know, it's really easy. Listen to this. It's really easy in this season of time that we're living in with our economy to kind of go, oh, it's so terrible. Yet sometimes we don't recognize that God uses things to make us deal with things that we've avoided for a long time because it's been comfortable. And God all of a sudden forces us into situations where maybe you have been holding on to a job that you know has not been a good job for you. God has been speaking to you about doing something and all of a sudden you don't have that job anymore and you're like, ah, what do I do? And God's like, I've got something better for you. Or maybe you've not wanted to make some changes in some things that you're doing in your life, or maybe you've gotten so comfortable that you're really not seeking God, and all of a sudden, you're on your knees for crying out to God, and he's like, this is awesome. This is what I want from you every day. And so the discomfort leads us actually to a place to move to where God's always wanted us to be. It's all about your perspective. Do we trust that God is good all the time? That he has good plans, that he sees things that we don't plan or we don't understand? Hallelujah. So he made them uncomfortable. You see, he had wanted them to grow stronger and bolder, to walk in complete, complete freedom. However, he knows that, that, that where he wants to take us, what he wants to do in our life, he understands that it's not something, though, that we are able to do on our own strength and our own power. I've got good news for you today, that 
if you're feeling stuck in some places or you're feeling like you're having a hard time moving from where you're at in your life to where God wants to take you, that you're in a good place because God wants to help you today. He knows what you need, and he knows that you're going to need something supernatural to help you. And so here's what happened 6,000 years approximately after the Tower of Babel where he confused their language. Jesus is getting ready to go to heaven, and he tells his disciples and those who are following, he says, here, I've got a plan for you. I want you to wait, wait in Jerusalem because I'm going to give you a helper in order to do the mission that you're called to. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. See, I believe God wants to give us the power to move us from where we're at to where we're called to do to go. And he does it through the power of the Holy Spirit. Listen to what Jesus said in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And this is what he says was put to his disciples. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you'll be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Look, you don't have to do this by yourself. I'm going to send somebody here who's going to help you. In fact, he's like me. He's partly, he is me. It's called the Holy Spirit. And you're going to receive power, and you're going to be able to do things, and you're going to become my witness everywhere. You see, we can take for granted, I know this in my own life, the regular flow of electricity that we have in our homes, our schools, our places of business. Who is thankful that we have electricity today? That you are enjoying the benefits of electricity. I mean, every once in a while, we might lose power for a few hours, and we're kind of like, whoa, what do I do? Where's that flashlight that the batteries don't work in anywhere? Where, where, where do we, do we have candles? We, we, we kind of go, what, what do we do? It's dark, and we can't watch TV or do our devices or you see we live in a society where we have power that's pretty regular now I, I've done some missions work in a place like Haiti can I say it's actually a miracle when they have power when it's actually on it can be go for days that there aren't any power and unless you have a power generator from 6 p.m. at night till 6 a.m. in the morning, you are living in complete darkness. I'll tell you what happens in my life when I go there. Oh, I guess I'm going to go to sleep. <laughs> it's amazing how much more time that you have to do things that you probably should be doing anyways because you don't have the power for that. But when the Bible talks about you will receive power, he says you will receive a certain power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. This is explosive power. You know, when I, when I started thinking about this, I remembered my very first trip that I had to the Philippines. And I stayed in a town called Baguio. Anybody from Baguio, the Philippines here, you, or you know where I'm talking about? First service, we had, yeah, that's where I'm from. Not, not this service. Well, Baguio is up in the mountains, and it actually was a U.S. Uh, a military, U.S. military base in World War II and a little bit after. And because of that, this town was one of the few places in the Philippines that had 110 voltage power. It's 110. That's what we have here in Canada. That's what we have in the United States. But do you know that most of the world doesn't do 110? They do 220. 
Now, when you're like, well, what's 220? Well, have you seen that big bulky plug for your wash, your dryer? That's 220. I don't know. Even when you're plugging that bad boy and you're like, I got to be careful with that one. And, that, and that's the truth. Well, what is the difference between 110 and 220? Well, 110 is half of the power of 220. And if I could explain it like this, the biggest difference, if you get jolted by 110 power, you'll feel a bit tingly and some discomfort. You'll be like, oh, I didn't like that. I got electrocuted. Yeah, okay. But if you get jolted by 220, uh, you might lose a limb or two. And if you live, you'll be like, wow, that's more power. Say more power. Okay, God wants to give you more power. I, I remember my first car that I had as a teenager. My mom's here. It was her car. She uh, passed it on to me. It was a white 78 Datsun wagon. It was pretty. But it was my car. And the, the thing that I want you to know that when I was in high school, I was like most kids my age. Um, the car was less important than the car stereo, hey? Do I have any car stereo buffs here that when you were growing up, you, it was all about the stereo? In fact, I, I, I saved money. I'd ask my parents for my birthday and Christmas, can you, can, you, can you give me stuff for my stereo? And in fact, it got to the point where the stereo in my car was worth more than the car. And you didn't, you didn't see me come, you heard me coming. Playing striper and things like that. To hell with the devil, yeah. Bringing it and driving up the driveway. You see, I didn't want to just hear the music. Mm -mm. I wanted to feel it. The intrinsic beat, the rhythm, it was all about the power. And, and so when the Bible says, I'm, Jesus says, I'm going to give you power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, the word that, that is used for this power is called the word dunamis. In the Greek word, it's a Greek word, and the Greek word dunamis is where we get our English word dynamite. Now that's power. So Jesus says, I want you to wait for my explosive power to come on you because when you experience this power, you will be changed. You cannot help but be changed. Now, I love fireworks. Used to play with fireworks. I modified fireworks. Anybody that's a young adult, if you want to know how to turn sparklers into an explosive device, come and see me later, and I might tell you. But I know about those explosive qualities, especially when you were driving around and I thought it was cool. Let's throw some firecrackers at people walking across the street. And you missed the, 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 the throwing it out and it hits the top of the window and it lands in your lap and you're driving. Uh, I'm, I'm telling you, I understood what the power could be in ways that you can't even imagine. Dunamis means strength, power, and ability. Can I say this? That God wants to take you to new places and he's going to give you the strength, the power, and the ability to get there through his Holy Spirit. Dunamis means inherent power. It means power residing in something by virtue of its nature. It's like static electricity, that there's something inherent. When you have the Holy Spirit working in your life, it's just waiting to come out. 
And it doesn't matter whether you're meek or mild or shy. It's just, it's sitting in there. I've seen some of the smallest people who can be the most powerful people on the planet through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the power for performing miracles. Who is saying, God, I'd like to see more miracles. I want to see people healed. I want to see God do things. that he, That's the dunamis power. It's moral power and excellence of the soul. It's the ability to do the right thing or live righteously. See, God doesn't want you to be stuck battling with sin and issues. And he's saying, I want to give you the power to overcome those things, to defeat those things in your life. It's the power of influence. I love this one. The power consisting in resting upon armies, forces, and heavenly hosts. That when you are walking in the dunamis power of the Holy Spirit, it's you can command armies to go ahead of you. Hallelujah. But we got to be careful as charismatic people. Well, pastor, I'm, I'm, I've never heard that terminology. Well, that's, that means that we believe in the Holy Spirit. This is a Holy Spirit church. We'd be called Pentecostal charismatic. Now, the challenge for us that have grown up being Pentecostal charismatic people is that we can get to the place where we are so used to experiencing the Holy Spirit that we can live for the experience But here's the problem. If we're not careful, we can get stuck on the experience. (sighs) Oh, I like it. I like that feeling that I get when, oh, I came into and I felt God. Or, Or, and here's the problem. If we're not careful, we can be like, well, I didn't feel God today. I love that song, Waymaker. When I don't feel you, you're still moving. When I don't see it, you're still moving because that's who you are. You see, we got to understand God is still doing stuff when you can't even feel it. So we got to be careful that we don't make it all about an experience. We can come to the place where we come into church and we're like, oh, I, just, I, I just need a, ooh, I need another head of your Holy Spirit. I need, oh. But does it move you to that next place? Or are you just looking for Jesus to make you feel better? See, God wants to move you from where you need just to feel better to where you live better, to where you talk better, to where you act better, to where you do what God's called you to do. We can make a monument out of our experiences. Oh, man, this is a great moment in my life. Oh, God, you are so good there. And I remember when you did this back there and you did that back when I was in the 60s and it was amazing and how you changed me, but I'm still where I live in that same spot. You know, growing in a prophetic church, it's, I see people who at times, I say this, will frame their prophetic words. Did I ever tell you about that time in 1984 where I got a word about doing this? Pull out your wallet, you open there, there's a picture of it right there. And then 1992, I got this word right over here, but the question is not do you have a word, but what are you doing? Is it moving you to where God's called you to be? Because when he says, look, I want to 
I don't want to just give you this power because I want you to have the power. It's to, so that you'll be my witnesses. Can I break it down into our context? In Calgary, in Alberta, in Canada, and all over the world. I want you to represent me wherever you go, and I'm going to give you the power to do that. But we have to be willing to move forward in him. You see, the Holy Spirit is more than an experience. He's a personal being, being to help empower us to next level living. Now, for some of us, we've been at that place where we look at things and we go, well, well, well God, how do you move us? Well, first of all, God saves us. Who's here thankful today that God has saved you from your old self, your old ways? He's given you a new future. Well, I, I got to say this. We got to be careful that we don't just stay there. Don't stop there. You see, I know people that are like, oh, well, thank you, Jesus. I'm not going to go to hell anymore. I'm so thankful I got my fire insurance. Life is good. And I'm just going to, thank you for saving me. Now I'm going to go do what I do, just I do. And God's saying, no, I want to move you even farther along. I, want to, I don't want to just save you. Listen to this word. I'm alliteration today. I'm going to sanctify you. <laughs> well, that sounds really spiritual, Pastor. What does that mean? I want to change you to be like me. Jesus is saying, I want you to, I want you to look, not only do I want you to, to be saved by me, I want you to look like me. I want you to talk like me. I want you to act like me. I want you to behave like me. I want you to have my attitudes. I want to sanctify you. I want you to be me. But we're not called to stop there. Because here's one that I, I thought was kind of crazy. Then he wants to sink us. S-Y-N-K-C, not K, sink. What does that mean? Well, he wants to put us in alignment with him so that we can hear his voice in our life every day. God wants to have daily communion with you so he can lead you, so he can talk to you. That when you're, you're, you're in things and you're like, I don't know which way to go, God's like, here, I want you to do this. And you're like, thank you, Father, I heard your voice. And then he wants to send us to supercharge us, to reach and impact people. You see, he wants us to move from where we're at, and I don't know where you're at today. Maybe, maybe you've just been a Christian for a little while, and God is working on that sanctifying thing. I'm saying, let God move you where he wants to move you. We're all in different places, but ultimately, he wants to take you to that place where you will be his witness so that you can impact the people that are around you. You see, when we begin to understand that we pray differently, how does that mean? We pray with expectation, God, you're going to move when I pray. We speak differently. We now have conviction. When I share things, I, I believe in what I'm telling you. Jesus can help you. We live differently. We now live with intention, knowing that God every day has a plan, and I'm walking that out. You see, the call hasn't changed from what God put on us in Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. In fact, in Matthew 28, Jesus said this, and Margot can come up here. It says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, listen to this, I'm always, I'm, with you always, even to the end of this age. 
Jesus is looking still today for people who are unwilling to settle for anything less than what he has for their lives, what your best would be. He's looking for those who are ready to move forward. Whatever your forward is today, I can't speak to that. Only God can. He's looking for those who will be his witnesses everywhere. And you might be like, well, Pastor, Calgary's a big city. How about in your home? How about at school? How about in the workplace? How about at the grocery store, the bus station? Wherever you're at, that you will be a representative of who he is. He wants to give you a mission. You see, there are people all around us who need love and encouragement. Not in our strength, but in the power of the Holy Spirit. As I was thinking about this, I was like, oh God, this seeing people healed is great. Oh yeah. Seeing lives changed is awesome. But I was reminded of a situation that I had over the course of this last few months. And my wife and I moved into a new neighborhood and we had a home that didn't have any yard. It had weeds. I've talked about those weeds and how they just never seem to leave. And I had one of my neighbors call the police on me because my weeds, in their opinion, got a little too high. And I haven't even been there for six months. I did not feel the dunamis power inside of me at that moment. I was a little bit frustrated. I kind of got to admit, I kind of got a little bit angry. Like, what's this all about? Why, why wouldn't you just come and talk to me? Why would you send the RCMP, you know, RCMP to knock on my, hello, sir, we've uh, been informed there's a great travesty here. Weeds cannot be more than six inches. We measured seven and a half. We're going to have to arrest you. No. I was like, come on. And I figured out who it was, and I remember I'd be walking my dog, and they had a nice yard, and they actually had a sign that said, keep off, and I was like, Taffy, do your worst. (laughs) Now, I didn't do that. I wanted to do that. And then the Holy Spirit began to speak to me, speak to me about loving my neighbor, reaching out to my neighbor, pulling weeds in his places that were over six inches tall, shoveling his sidewalk. And you know, I'd like to give a report here today that it was like, yes, he is now a full-on believer in Jesus because of my testimony. You know what? A lot of times when God gives us the power, it's not to change always other people, it's to change us. And God changed my heart towards these people that are real people. God wants to change us. He wants to work inside of us. He wants to move us from where we're at. He doesn't want us to settle. He's willing to make us uncomfortable to move us, not because he's mad at us, but because he loves us and he has greater things for us. And as I 
was preparing and thinking about this part of our service, I, God put some things on my heart that I just feel like maybe you're here today. Maybe you're struggling with depression or discouragement. I believe that God wants to move you from a place of depression. He wants to take you to a place of faith and understanding of who he is. Maybe you're dealing with some difficult people in your life. He wants to move you to learn how to love them, forgive them. He wants to move you to reach out to your next-door neighbor, neighbor, maybe get to know them, shovel their walk. Move you to pray for your coworker who's unkind and unfriendly. I believe that many of you today would say, Pastor, if you're honest, there are some places in my life where maybe you're feeling stuck. You know that you need to move, but you're not able to do it in your own strength. And I'm here to tell you that there's a power that God has for us. It's called the power of the Holy Spirit.